This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm talking about a fascinating psychological system called Internal Family Systems that has really changed the way that I operate and can be transformational for you too in a really short time. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. You know, today I'm going to talk to you about one of my really favorite subjects, about one of the most life-changing things that you could employ in your life right now as a midlife woman, or frankly, as anybody, to help to stop repeating those bad habits that we have. You know, the things that we do over and over again, and then we feel bad about them afterwards, and then we do them again, and we feel bad about them afterwards. And it seems to be somewhat out of our control. And all of us have these things. I know I certainly do. And I want to tell you about a system that I've been learning about over the last few years. And ever since I've learned about it, it's just really started to become so meaningful and useful in every aspect of my life. And also in the lives of my patients, because it's particularly important when we're trying to change a habit. And that might be adopting a healthier lifestyle, leaving a bad relationship, changing a job. Sound familiar for things that happen in midlife? Now, these things happen throughout our lives, but I think this is such a rich time where change and transition are just really the definition of midlife in a way that learning how to cope with these changes in a more healthy way is just so important. So the system I'm going to talk to you about just in a brief overview, because we could talk about this for months and you can learn about this yourself some more too, if you're interested, is called internal family systems or IFS. So the internal family systems model is a psychological model. It was developed by a psychologist named Richard Schwartz back in the 80s, a long time ago. And he at the time was doing family therapy as well as traditional therapy. And noticed that within individual patients, he saw that they had different parts that somewhat behaved in interactions that seemed like a family. So within individuals, and these are healthy individuals, not crazy people with multiple personality disorder, regular ordinary people like you and I have separate parts that almost seem to operate like individuals. And they have relationships with each other that are kind of like the relationships within a family. All of us have a childish part. We might have a critical part. We might have an overbearing part or a manager part or a freaking out part or a parental part. And all of us have these parts. And so what he recognized was that, first of all, none of these parts were bad. And, and that is where this becomes so magical to me. He wrote an amazing book called No Bad Parts recently. We'll put a link to that below. He's written many books, but No Bad Parts is a really great introduction to the whole internal family systems model if you're interested in learning a little bit more about it. But one of the most important things about this model is the understanding that none of these parts are bad. Even the ones that do destructive things, they all mean well. For example, if you have a really critical voice, and let's just say we all do, I certainly do. You know, at certain times, I'll give you an example. Maybe I'm thinking about writing a book. This is a real story. I had a really powerful voice that was telling me, 
you can't write a book. You're not good enough to write a book. What makes you think you can write a book? You're going to embarrass yourself. It's going to be a failure. Don't even try it. You're not nearly good enough to do that, etc., etc. Well, that sounds like a pretty nasty, mean type of a person, but the understanding is that underneath that part of me, we'll just call that a part, wanted to help. So despite all of the criticism and the name calling and shaming and things like that, the underlying desire of that part was for me not to be hurt. And so all of these parts, as unwise as they might seem in the way they go about things, have the desire to protect us. So none of them are bad. And so approaching them in a compassionate manner, rather than trying to shut them down or tell them to be quiet or pretend they're not there or stuff them away, seems to be a much more effective way of reaching a point of peace and integration in our lives where we're not driven or derailed by these voices because as Richard Schwartz said, they can be like a bunch of children that you stuff in your basement and just lock the door and they don't go away. They just start screaming louder. And that really resonated with me. What we need to do is let them out of the basement and talk to them in a loving, compassionate manner and find out what it is that they have to say and what it is that they want. And then they will eventually quieten down and stop derailing our lives and causing harm in all of these ways that we've experienced often are repetitive. So let me talk to you a little bit more about this model because it's so cool and fascinating. And you can go full on and train in this for years, or you can literally learn about it for 30 minutes and start practicing it in your daily life. And it really makes real changes. I've seen it make real changes in my own life. So using this model, let's just assume that it's true for a moment, and it's it's not true. It's just a model explaining human behavior, but it's a very useful model. We're all made of parts. Each of those parts is like an individual person, and we can get to know the personality of these parts and understand how they work. And so he divided our parts into several categories. The first category were the exiles. Now, exiles are the parts that hold all of our pain from trauma in the past. Now, you might not think that you're a trauma victim, but trauma could be anything in which our defenses were mounted and were found to be useless. Now, that could be real trauma. You, you, know, you can think about some real significant traumas that we've been through that we associated with that word. Or they can be things that seem more minor, being bullied at school when we were younger or being criticized by our parents or being told that we weren't enough or being called names when we were younger or being neglected by our caregivers or being dumped by our first boyfriend. Any of these things, according to this model, are classified as trauma because they caused pain and we did not have the ability to prevent it. So those were all pains that are held in this model by these exiles. So the exiles hold out pain for us, which is very kind of them. But in doing that, they become stuck and they're usually very childish because most of this trauma we're talking about occurs when we're quite young. And then we develop a second set of parts 
who are protectors or also known as managers, whose job is just to keep the exiles from making any noise because we don't want to experience their pain. And so all of us walk around in some type of state where our exiles are being suppressed by our managers who are doing the best they can to keep the exiles quiet because if they weren't, we would have to feel their pain and that would just be too much for us. And so that's the system that most of us have set up and it can work incredibly well. I've got a whole host of managers who, managers usually do things that seem very responsible and, and very understandably very managerial. So for example, uh, one of my favorite managers is the one who just gets stuff done. She says, I don't have time for this BS. I'm just gonna get stuff done. And so she's very, very effective at getting things done. And so that's got me a long way in the world. However, she's not interested in listening to the pain of the exiles. And so they're still there. They're still basement children as Dr. Schwartz calls them, or at least they were until I started doing this work. I've got lots of other managers too. We all have whole hosts of them. And the managers, again, are just trying to keep the exiles quiet. And they're mostly the way that we present ourselves. Usually we are walking around in the world in the persona of one of our managers. And most of us live our whole lives that way, trying to keep everything quiet, trying to reduce pain, trying to not create a fuss, and by all means, trying to not talk about or feel the pain of our childhood trauma. And so that's a very normal human experience. And thank goodness they all do that for us because they're really trying to help us. But in that type of situation where we're disintegrated in that way, meaning that there are parts of us that are literally shut off from the others, the idea is, and I truly believe this, that we're not able to live as our most full, vibrant selves because there are parts of us that are cut off. And whenever parts of us are cut off, by definition, we're not living in our full potential. Does that make sense? Now, there's another group of parts that Dr. Schwartz described who are the most destructive, perhaps, and he called those the firefighters. And we all have those. So. Firefighters come out when it seems very likely that the managers might be going to fail in their attempts to keep the exiles quiet and they will come out and do something dramatic and just make that situation shut down very quickly. So for example, a firefighter activity might be if there's some pain bubbling up to drink a lot of alcohol, maybe to do some shopping, maybe to run away, maybe even to do drugs or have sex or do anything to escape that pain because they need an emergency outlet, which is why they're called firefighters. And firefighters often do the most harm because they'll do something really dramatic, maybe throw a fit, maybe drink too much, maybe make a really hasty decision. And they're notorious for creating relationship problems. <laughs> I've definitely got a few of my favorite firefighters. And when I look back on past behaviors, I'm like, oh, that, that, there she was doing that thing that she was doing. And again, there was nothing bad about a firefighter who drinks too much or has sex or does too much shopping. Yes, the, the behavior is unwise and leads to harm, but the underlying intent is that she's trying to help you avoid pain. So thank you for doing that firefighter, but it's just not very helpful anymore. 
So these type of parts come up in, for example, a desire to lose weight or make any type of change. Like I was mentioning in midlife, there's so many changes that we're in the middle of. And when we can start to see these parts with a little bit of lightness and even a little bit of humor, even if they're so destructive, just a little bit of lightness around like, gosh, they're so bad at doing what they're doing, but they're not bad inherently. They're really trying to help us. Just coming from a little bit of an unwise childish place because they're all stuck in some form of lack of maturity. So we've got our exiles who are holding the pain. We've got our managers who are desperately trying to keep that shoveled away. And then we've got our firefighters who bust out occasionally just to numb the pain if things are getting too dangerous and those exiles are starting to make too much noise in the basement. And then on top of all of that, the understanding is that all of us have a higher self, a parent, for example, of this family who knows how to make a good decision. And in his model, that is called self energy. Now, depending on your spiritual background, you might also call that God or the universe or any other term that understands that there is a higher version of ourselves that has the potential to bring all of this together. And all of us have self energy or whatever other words you like to use to describe it. And sometimes we can go for years. Many of us can go a whole life without being in touch with our self energy, but the model suggests that all of us have it. And how do you know when you're in self energy? Well, he came up with a little description and some of the most important words that would describe when we're in self energy are compassion, calm, and curiosity. And there's several other words, but those are the three that I like the most to start with. If I'm feeling calm, I'm feeling compassionate towards those parts, and I have a sense of curiosity about what's going on here, wanting to know more rather than stuffing it away. So calm, compassion, curiosity. If I'm in that state and I can truly say I have those qualities present, likely I'm operating from self energy. And when I'm operating from self energy, I can make good decisions. Now, we're not always in self energy, we might spend 1% of the day in self energy. But anytime that we're in self energy, if we can learn to recognize it, become aware of it, and then separate from those parts that are doing some activities that are going to lead us into those same old problems that we've created before, can allow us to break that cycle and it really works. So here's how it might work. First of all, we've got to spend some time getting to know what these parts are like, uh, who is who, sometimes writing them down or journaling out what parts you might recognize as the days go by can be really helpful. You know, it might be good not to start from the biggest trauma you've ever had and, and identify the parts involved in that, but just start with some minor irritation. Maybe you have a coworker who just pisses you off and, and you just always just don't like being around them and they rub you the wrong way. There's a part that's being triggered there for some reason and you might look into what that part is feeling. Maybe that part is worried that she's being shamed or made to feel less than or that she's being controlled by this other person or any number of things. But underneath, she's trying to help you. So 
an idea to recognize when a part is taking over is anytime you feel triggered anytime you feel a strong emotional response to a situation that is a part it's not it's not you it's not your self energy that's triggered because self energy doesn't get triggered it's a part that's being triggered because that part is remembering something in the past that hurt and applying it to the current situation. So not that this current person isn't actually creating harm. We can experience trauma in the present for sure, but usually there's some underlying feeling that an old wound from the past is being triggered, and that gives us an overly exaggerated sense of what's going on right now, and all of us know what that feels like. So whenever we're triggered, a good exercise is to think about what's going on with that feeling. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? What is it that I'm afraid of? What does this part want to tell me? And develop an internal conversation with that part. Separate than the situation that's going on, the, the actual content isn't that important. It turns out that we can be triggered by all kinds of things. And the story about she did what to whom and who did what and when is way less important really than the feelings that come up from it because there are thousands of stories and the drama is fairly similar it turns out isn't it between all of them but maybe shifting out of being focused so much on the story about who did what to whom and why it's not fair and all of the above shifting into how does it feel what am i feeling what is this part being triggered by is this part in exile a very young child who's holding pain from my past? Is it a manager who's trying to squash the pain? Is it a firefighter who's just trying to get the fuck out of there and create some kind of diversion to make the pain go away? And then try to kind of catalog who's who, and it's a fascinating journey that really doesn't take years. I mean, you can get a good idea of the, the primary operating parts that you have in just a few days. I mean, you may have a good idea even right now, having just listened to this for a few minutes. Now, the goal of this work is to be able to stop when we're triggered and what's called unblend or remove yourself from that situation mentally so that you can see the part from a distance. And as soon as we do that, we recognize that there's more than one part here because this one the triggered one is separate from the one who's observing so if the triggered part is separate from the one who's observing who is the one that's observing and hopefully that is actually self energy if that one who's observing is feeling compassionate towards the part feeling curious and is in a state of calm and it might just be a manager that's observing that's okay but just that separation, which is called unblending, is the way that we can start to see our parts and be able to not act from the part that historically has led to harmful outcomes. It's not that easy to stop in the middle of a firefighter crazy outburst, I can tell you, because if I'm in the middle of a crazy firefighter outburst and I've been drinking a few glasses of wine and I'm super triggered about a situation, it's pretty difficult to tap into that wisdom. Maybe it takes till the next day, but over time, you're going to be able to do it in real time. Take a step back, 
and evaluate that part from a distance. And so that's called unblending. So the first step is pause. Hard, easier said than done. <laughs> but with a lot of practice, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Unblend. Separate yourself from the triggered part. And then the third part is to give compassion and curiosity to that part. Get curious about what does that part need? What, why is that part feeling this way? What would that part like to say to you? What would that part rather be doing than getting all pissed off all the time about the same old things? It's a beautiful conversation that can develop and you can do that in your own mind anytime that you get triggered so that that part doesn't do that same behavior that always gets you into trouble. As we do this, you're able to spend more and more time in self energy over here, <laughs> being calm, curious, compassionate, and figuring out what all these guys are up to. Now, none of them are going to leave. They're part of you. They're part of me. But we can learn to interact as a healthy family system instead of a crazy, deranged family system, which actually is what most of us are holding inside, as together we might appear, appear on the outside. Most of us inside feel fairly disintegrated much of the time, and we just don't show it because we've got very good managers who make us look perfect, act right, do the right thing. But that's incredibly exhausting. It takes a huge amount of effort for these managers to keep everything looking so good on the outside when underneath we just feel like we're falling apart. Do you recognize that feeling? So just in the context of what I do, let me put it in the example of a patient who's really trying to lose weight. So I use a little bit of this parts work with our weight loss patients. Uh, if you remember from our weight loss program, one of the most important or maybe the most important part of the program is the mindset piece. And so without calling it internal family systems, the mindset piece really is a process of looking at those voices that we have and recognizing the ones that are going to be most likely to derail us from the outcome that we want. So if we want our wisest part really wants to follow a healthy nutrition and exercise plan because we really want to be healthier, that's probably self-energy or a self-like manager that's making that decision. But we know that we've got firefighters that are going to come in when we're not feeling good and say, fuck it, I want to eat a pint of ice cream or just screw this whole thing. It's not going to work. We're going to have critical voices who are going to come in and say, you're not going to succeed. You failed a hundred times. Don't even bother trying it. It's just not going to work. Or who cares if you lose weight anyway? You're just a fat, lazy loser. These are real things that we have to talk about because if we don't recognize that that's possible up front, Late on Saturday night, when you don't have support at the office and perhaps your family's not available to help you, they're going to come in and they're going to try to derail you from your success, not because they're evil or nasty, but because they're trying to help you. They don't want you to suffer. Perhaps they don't want you to change because they're worried that when you lose weight, your life's going to be turned upside down. Perhaps they're scared that without the comfort of sugar and potato chips and wine, you're going to suffer more. Remember, they're not very mature and so they just want to help you. They just want to give you some ice cream so you can feel good. <laughs> but that's just one example. Anytime 
that we're triggered or especially anytime we're trying to make a big change in our lives. I just think this is the most useful technique that I have ever learned and believe me I've learned a lot of them. But internal family systems, check it out. No bad parts. One of the best books you'll ever read. And just do some of those exercises that I mentioned. It's, it's not difficult. This is something really simple. You could spend five years in traditional therapy and not make the type of growth and movement forward that you could make spending two weeks using this system. I'm telling you, I've done that myself. So check it out. It's incredibly relevant to midlife because this is when we're experiencing so much transition. And we've got some time now to actually make these next steps into becoming the best version of ourselves and spending more of our lives in that self-energy that I mentioned and less of our lives acting like a crazy firefighter or a very restrictive manager or just stuffing out exiles in the basement because we don't want to face their pain. And after some time, now you don't want to do this in one day, our exiles are going to be able to come out of the basement. They're going to be able to talk to us about their trauma, their fears, their wounds. They're going to be integrated into ourselves so that they no longer need to be stuffed away and managed. And you know how much energy you get back when that happens? So much. Diseases go away. Aches and pains go away. You can sleep better. You're no longer spending all of your energy just trying to manage this crazy internal family when the family is balanced and everybody's operating together and the parent is back in the driver's seat, the self-energy. What a relief. So I can't recommend this enough. Uh, lots of stuff out there you can Google or research about internal family systems, but maybe start with the book No Bad Parts. And if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.